Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Talking with Apes podcast. Today, we are here with episode 20 after a long break where we have been super busy. I've been finishing my bachelor thesis. Tom has started a new job. Keenan has continued his job. <laughs> but, you know, life has been busy. Um, and today, we are talking about work. <laughs> so, yay! Uh, <laughs> After uh, COVID, I think all of us have noticed that there has been an acceleration in talk about working from home and also uh, more and more people want to work from home and see that as a very important aspect when they're looking for a job or etc. I mean, so uh, let's maybe like share our own experience with working from home. I'll just bed. point out that you said after COVID and a lot of people get really offended by that because COVID is not over. Yes, there is still I'm a lot sorry. of people who get COVID. The pandemic is ongoing. True. Yes, this was supposed to not be the most depressing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you listened to our podcast? Have you ever actually like sat down and listened to one of our episodes? It's actually pretty fucking depressing. I really can't because voice dysphoria. We try to focus on solutions as well. No? We do. We do. I mean, like this. This is a pretty light topic. Our uh, other topics that we discussed, which you are gonna see in next episodes, hopefully. Are a bit more depressing. <laughs> yay, 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 yay. Don't okay. worry, depression is coming. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, no, but in preparation for this podcast, talking about working from home and work culture in general, like working from home is a pretty uh, um, limited uh, topic. There's not a lot of broad points, I would say, but work culture in general is much broader. I What I did was, um, normally speaking, I work from home. Unless I have a meeting or something, I would say on average I work in um, in a month. I work seventy percent, eighty percent of my time from home, and the other twenty are from the office. These last couple of weeks, I tried to basically be at the office every day. Like I would, I would start every day. At least I would go to sleep every night with the idea of I'm going to the office tomorrow. That worked for a week. Um. The, and then you stopped and doing not, it? Not, or? not even for a week. It didn't even work for a full week. It's, it worked for four days of the five days of the week. Um, I didn't go on a Friday. Not surprising. <laughs> um, basically. And just, why Why would you think it, you didn't finish it? Well, you know, it just what, what happened on that Friday? I can't remember. I just remember myself being a bit drained. And I had some other chores to do we had to pick up gypsy or something gypsy is by the way the name of the dog we don't have a pet um uh, don't go too deep into that yeah <laughs> there it is yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so his name sorry my bad um so yeah um yeah i had other chores i had other responsibilities and um yeah if we're starting off with saying like the most uh, strong suits of working from home and the advantages is it's that kind of flexibility. I could still do my hours of work without um, sacrificing uh, my, my, my responsibilities at home, without uh, sacrificing my relationships, without sacrificing um, good lunch. Sonia. And uh, you, Tom, you, your situation is a little bit different you've talked about yeah, before? So I work for a social cultural center, which means that, you know, we organize activities for a local community, um, debates, you know, discussion groups, lectures, those kinds of things, just general coming together, things like that. Um, so while I do a lot of networking and I'm, uh, I can do a lot of stuff from home or uh, by going to other organizations, their events or uh, just other places, other offices, etc. Um, there is a certain amount of things that obviously you can't do. I mean, if you're organizing meetings with people uh, or, 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 or events for people, then um, from time to time you have to be present and host. And um, I mean, it's still a community engagement. So the, the social aspect of it is, is pretty big. Um, but I would argue it's about 50-50. Um, and I mean, I agree with the flexibility. It allows you to, if you need to go pick up something from the store, you can easily plan it in. Um, yeah. Though I would maybe, um, while affirming everything you said, Kinnan, I would also like note the other side of the coin is that it very strongly blurs the lines between private and 
uh, work life. And I think that is, it's something you have to be up for. And as, as an individual, like if, if that's okay with you, that uh, less clear distinction maybe, um, then that's okay. But mm. it, it also requires some planning and some mental like drawing of lines yourself because you're never a phone call or an email or a click or opening a device away. Working in IT, this kind of disappearance offline has been a problem before working from home. Um, You ask a lot of uh, people who work in IT, um, you're always on call, you're always supposed to, you know, not really be very specific about your hours, you're supposed to finish the deadline and like finish Mm -hmm. the work before the deadline happens. There's a lot of... um, I interviewed once for a company that told me that one of their expectations is um, basically unpaid overtime um, because they like to do um, some off-the-side work. And you should be up for that because it's a motivating thing to do. Mm. And um, I'm just like, from personal experience, that kind of line, at least in IT, um, it's more of an on an individual level like as as a person you should be able to at least you should be able to learn how to draw that line so like working from home in the beginning yeah there was a little bit of a blur but once you start uh, learning this new skill of okay now my work hours are done you close your laptop and um, you make it clear also it also depends on your work environment and work culture and your bosses i have the privilege of having Pretty understanding process. They understand that after 4 p.m., 5 p.m., I do don't not Don't call an- me anymore. Don't, I don't answer emails. If you send me an email, that's fine. I'm going to answer it next morning. Um, even I, it's one of the things I sensed uh, that's changed is um, people now, for example, use the scheduling, uh, uh, scheduling an email to be sent the next morning at 9 a.m. So that's actually... That, that, signif- that signals to me that you respect my time even if i sometimes i do work at six seven um sometimes i don't have very traditional work hours but uh, that's my choice yeah i i think like again i am also fine with that with that lesser distinction because my work is so much in line with what i like to do um i i i mean it's not i'm i'm not a person that goes to work has to labor for X amount of hours and it's like, oh, finally I'm done. I can clock out and I leave uh, immediately. To be honest, from our experiences, like all combined, also Morgan being a student who did an internship and just now getting into the job market, we don't have the um, the other voice of a factory worker. You know, who the, has, yeah, who has to be there worker physically. At yeah, the exactly. table here, let that be very clear. Yeah, n- not, not a yeah. single blue collar worker. And like, first of all, they don't have the privilege sometimes of being able to work from home. Most of the times, probably. Yeah. I would say 90% of the time. Oh. That's the inherent like inequality to that. Exactly. Uh, and like, if you go to the history situation. of that, like before the industrial revolution, a carpenter or a, or a steel worker, blacksmith, they would usually either own a shop or in a lot of cases, at least like in Syria, they would work from home. Yeah, they had so, their own tools yes. at home. Their, their they workshop, the, means the workshop is at home. Yeah, like like a house doctor. Yeah, exactly. Like. But then the industrial revolution came in and we have centralized working places called factories. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, for a blue collar worker, um, that has not changed. Um, I would say for um, white collar workers, especially in IT and the more... Um, things that can be done remotely. We've seen it since the 1970s, since the internet and uh, satellite offices, and also with the whole globalization of the economy, you would you would see huge companies have online meetings, call, phone call meetings. Yes. So it's a trend that's been going up, um, but it, it needs to be pointed out that um, a lot of people do not have that. They're not even included in this. And uh, yeah, maybe that's something to do to, to talk about. Because uh, a lot of the time, employers offer working from home as an advantage, as a when they're when they're discussing contracts, when they're discussing job opportunities, they're like, you can either work at our cool ass office with free coffee, or you can work from home. Yeah. And um, for a blue collar worker, well, you come to the factory and work, or not. And the white collar jobs are often a like the people in society with a degree or at least a, a more yeah i guess it's, a, it's actually a different to- it's a whole topic the, yes the privilege of white collar versus blue collar and often already influential sectors of the economy like 
um, from from the the preparation here, like finance, insurance, management, business services, IT. My sector not that influential, but <laughs> also you know the better parts of society. I think in in social cultural work, you often find more like middle class people. I will say, um, and I don't. I mean that part. I'm sorry. Where where do you find? In my sector, also not the most influential sector, but you find like parts of the population, like you find middle class people working a lot in my sector and. Would so you call it's your already sector blue collar or white. Oh, it's white collar, definitely. I'm uh, yeah, in Belgium we still make the distinction between um workers like people that do blue collar work and white collar work and mine is definitely like it falls in the category of like bediende what, what, as they say in the The literal translation of bediende service service, yeah, the service industry. Yeah, service industry. Yeah. Yeah coming from the point of view of someone who is going into the creative sector um, I think there's also some things that you can't do from home as well as you could from the office uh, because you don't have the materials at home or it would be uh, requiring too much space, too much cleanup um, so that's also an aspect that maybe is extreme within the creative sector because you can't have a, a photo studio at home, or most people can't. <laughs> but it's it's present in every sector. The The costs of having your own office at home can be quite significant. Maybe you need to get an apartment with a separate office. That's an extra room. can significantly increase the rent. Maybe you need to get a faster Wi-Fi, which can and cost The ergonomic you. chair, if you're sitting exactly. uh, at the desk it, for it, a long it, time. It does need to be noted, though, like in a lot of countries, in Belgium too, you'll get basically like a tax cut on all of these things. You might get a, you get a Thaiswerkvergoeding, which is uh, a bonus from your employer for office supplies and stuff. In a lot of cases, you can, I, I, I bought a screen that I could basically let my employer pay for. So and your chair too. And my chair too. So yeah, and I think they're they're minor questions, honestly. Um, yeah, yeah, they, they are. They, they might are. seem. I think it's it's relevant to um, talk about them for a, for for a very brief instance or to mention them because they're going to get probably the most attention because they're very di direct, practical issues. Like at some point, somebody is going to fall down their own staircase at home while working, quote-unquote, and then the question is going to arise, well, is the insurance of the company, does it extend to the home office? Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it does. I'm pre yeah. I don't Again, think this yeah, is even a question. It's yeah. going to be a practical... Mm, it might be a practical thing, but I don't think it will be, it will be any significant... I mean, th there is, like, contracts, like Keenan's yeah. contract, for example, if something happens... Related to work issues, I'm yeah, pretty but sure. Be, yeah, but to be fair, yeah. I mean, it's because it's not working hours, right? So what does constitute... No, but if it is, is it working, working hours? hours? But, it is, but the contract is not about working hours. The contract of the insurance usually is, are you doing something related to work? Like, if I'm going to meet up in Mechelen and, like, the meetup is at 7, yeah, then that's work-related. Yeah. I mean, an accident. And then you're insured. Yes, but what about if I'm home? But like, uh, let's just zoom out a bit because, like Tom said, this is all honestly very, pretty detailed. Uh, details and they'll find solutions for it. Like, well, yeah, and both insurance companies. I think companies. the big picture is more interesting. So, yes. big picture wise, um, I, I just mentioned the thingy of like the 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 factory worker or the blue collar worker, whatever you want to call it, um, does not have that privilege. But do we even agree that? the ability to work from home is a privilege. Like, I, because a lot of people are still out uh, on that. I mean, like, I think the, the ability to work from home can be a privilege like it's a if, you, if you find it that way. Like it can, for example, let's say you are in a wheelchair, right? Right. Then working from home is a significant advantage over Definitely. working from the office because you don't have to deal with the commute. Um, but it can also be a disadvantage. Let's say you're in a team where everyone works from home, but you, because you have some others, like let's say you're a tester and all the developers work from the office every day and 
you come in once every month to share what you tested in the software, right? Like then you're not part of the team. You're not going to be as respected. You're not going to have that. The that is a, just a very weird um, generalization because it's not not really how it works usually. Of course, no. I'm making an example of like let's imagine that there is a very good team yeah, yeah. at the office and you're not part of that because you work from home, then it can be a disadvantage. Sure, but like that's a very specific case. What I'm saying is having the option of working from home, we can all agree that's a nice thing. Oh yeah, definitely. Like having the option definitely, but I because I think it and and every progressive person that listens to this podcast might get angry at me now. It is in a if done well, if if the transition is made in a in a good way, it is a step towards more freedom away from, you know, the 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 the, the centralized workspace. That yeah, or the, the workspace economy. in general, from like having to go to a job, clock in at a certain hour, slave away yeah. there, and then clock out. There you go. Yeah. Um, and like, let's be real. Like, commute does not usually count within your working hours. And it's some for people most people the worst thing of yeah. the day. Like, Basically. And it can also bring along big costs because, like, let's say you go to the office every day, the chance of you hitting someone else with your car, the chance of you having something happen in that time, the chance of you forgetting to bring food and having to buy food. Like yeah. there's so many and extra costs. And also the offices like experienced significant cost reductions when COVID was happening, where they did not have to pay for lighting. Their bills went down. They didn't have to, like even from yeah. an office point of view, you don't like, if you could work without the office, that's a big ass building that you're paying rent for. So economy wise. But see, yeah, and, but there it's, the, the question becomes, starts yeah. to arise whether or not it is a privilege because a company can also use that as a way to like Cut costs. only leave a skeleton behind of what it used to have to deliver to, to its employees, like away with the social contact between the workers, which we can get into on its own, arise is especially for unions and, and labor organizations a big uh, problem. Um, away with the coffee machine, which, you know, where you where you do the chit-chats, away with a lot of the things that you have available to you, like That's no like, office where your manager is, where you can go and knock if there is an acute problem. Now you have to call them or email yeah, them, which offers them an ability to ignore you to a certain degree. So, I mean, uh, it depends on how it's implemented, as with so Obviously. many innovations like i think it's fair to say that it's 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 on 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 its face it's a nice thing um but definitely corporations and usually like unfortunately employers would be able to take advantage of it there could be possibilities of turning it against you but um i think it's important that there is um what you said in place like a sort of financial benefit given to the worker that works from home because they don't use their office facilities. So they yes. have to be compensated in some sort of way because they now have to provide them themselves. And like, the, I think the Belgian government basically like mandated that. Yeah, but it's one of the few. One of the few like. things, <laughs> yes, definitely. But um, I, I am interested to talk about like the, um, like I don't know if you've had the same experience, but from my experience, working from home gave me also a lot more um. Like, you know, you, you hear all of these studies of, oh, working from home has studies have been proven that statistically employees are more productive and they do their job better. Yeah. And um, you hear about that all the time. And I, I have to agree with it. Um, I think it's a fair thing to say because from my perspective, um, the, if, if, if I'm boiling down what does working from home to me mean, it's um, the, autonomy, the autonomy that you get as a worker. Mm -hmm. Um you are treated as an adult. You don't need to go to this uh, school building where we all sit on our desks and <laughs> listen to the headmaster. Um, I'm trusted with my what I'm doing with my time. I'm trusted with uh, the quality of work I provide. I'm trusted to reach out if I needed help. Um, like I don't. I, I know it's it's probably the case in a lot of companies, but in my in my line of work. Um, being able, like, I, you can reach everyone in a phone call, um, mm -hmm. in a chat message. If they're not available, they'll come back to you as soon as possible. Um, I've never had trouble with communication that way. And I've worked at an office for a long time um, with in my previous job. And uh, yes, I had the manager literally there all the time. And I would always be too intimidated to go talk to him. So 
it's not really like yes, I understand the point of accessibility, but from my perspective, it was the um, what what made me a better, happier worker was basically the autonomy I got working from home. No, a, a lot of offices even before uh, before the pandemic um, have. Um, I believe that was a UK survey I, I stumbled upon. Um, mentioned that a lot of employees, especially in traditional like offices, like think with the cubicles and everything, um, they report that some workers just sit there and to be present, to be noticed by their managers that they're at work and they don't do anything productive. Dang. So in a certain sense, yes, that, that is also supported uh, by research. I also feel the same way, I think, you know, um, if I if I can decide like, oh, I have a meeting at that point in time with, with this other organization that I have to discuss a, an, an activity with that we're going to be organizing together um, and I can set the date of the meeting and I can then do my, and I can plan my other work before or after the meeting. Yeah, I, I have the flexibility yeah. to choose like but what would be more sensible. In, in your situation, even without working from home, you usually are pretty autonomous in what you do. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of um, trust in your line of work. You, you, you can plan things. You can, you are trusted to do your job. I think yes. in a lot of, in a lot of situations, you're basically like when you're on the lower uh, end of the employee ladder, you're, yeah, you're, you're not, you are, you are always treated as a person. I think that's the main issue here. Yeah. Like why do a lot of middle managers want people to come back to the office? I think it's kind of a trust issue. And because No, because without, without them have like, their existence is reliant on the need of you coming to work. It's, it's kind of like if, if the worker is self-managing at home and are able to deliver quality product and do their job on time, why am I needed? Yeah, I mean, that's the, the thing Rutger Brechman also talks about, like with the bullshit jobs. Like yeah. you have managers for managers for managers. And it's like, and those people themselves often also like say like my job doesn't add any value i'm just it's, I'm it's just one of the number one present. reasons for depression and, and there's it's just it's it's like not to beat a dead horse but i have like what, what's the name of that movie the one with like um the one with uh brad pitt and edward norton <laughs> I, I have don't no know. fucking <laughs> The one where, like, it's all, oh, we are in a capitalist society, we are buying bullshit things, we go to bullshit jobs that we hate. It's like every movie. <laughs> yeah, literally. But That's a lot of movies, yes. Uh, Anti-capitalism has does, been does very Tyler co-opted. Durden ring a bell? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, we can maybe go on with the podcast. Um, people can comment. It. Fight club, fight club, I'm sorry. Wow, okay, okay. yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I was thinking. Oh. What were you thinking? Like that's literally the I don't whole know. I was thinking movie. like The Office. <laughs> like, like I was thinking more in line of movies like Wolf of Wall Street or yeah, something that like too, that. Yeah, that's like, Interesting. No, I mean like that whole thing of like you know we are such um uh you know the the the, the white middle class man is disillusioned with the working office because their job doesn't have any meaning and then they get radicalized. Okay, but so. I mean, also, who could have thought that workers organizing themselves is kind of better? <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to throw that in. That yeah, yeah, just... I mean, I get it. But no, to be fair, also, I, I like to, to, to focus back on the bigger picture, some workers did also experience that they didn't have a pretty uh, well-defined objective when they're working from home because they didn't have that immediate feedback from a manager. Yes. And if you go, like, there's this theory of, like, what makes a job a good job, basically, what what makes you do a good job is um, you need autonomy, you need feedback, you need um, what was it? Um, yeah, uh, task task uh, identity. So you need to know what you're doing, um, what exactly is needed of you, and a skill very variety. And the working from home thing proved to um, increase autonomy, increase um, objective uh, because. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like when when you're working from home, it's very easy to lose the objective of what am I doing here, and you could very easily just reach out and be like, okay, so what's my objective? But yeah, it does require a boss who, or a manager or who a actually, team if you no, are organized yeah. horizontally, like my places, that you actually set a very clearly defined goal of yeah. like 
you organize this or you do this point and then you come back to the to the group um yes though i will also say i also find a lot of uh this is more of an american thing from what i understood but um there is also a lot of reports about increased surveillance on workers so the opposite oh, yeah. of that where like companies started to require you to install programs which like measure how well you uh how how long your uh, attention span is during meetings, like video calls, or where your um, keystrokes are getting uh, actually... Uh, yeah, uh, I've seen something on Reddit where someone surreal. basically automated their mouse to keep working and clicking. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's, and I have I've to seen s- a million TikToks like that, like people bad. tying their mouses to their pets. No, but so like that's usually a job, <laughs> but like actually... It's like in, in some American companies, there was this basically actually like you they they actually did monitor it and fired people off it. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's and that's fucked up. That's like again, that's the Amazon kind of way of doing things of like measuring how long you go to the bathroom. Exactly. Um, but also like it also happened uh, in college still. So before I graduated, the last exams uh, yeah. were also during yeah, COVID, yeah. and we also had to install the software yeah. and the. The college also wasn't very transparent about what the program did, and it. Ro- I mean, it gives them. It rose some questions arose, and then they gave information. But I think, it's it's. Uh, yeah, it was kind of funny because like during my one of my exams, my alarm, my um, you know, like my alarm to wake up went off because the exam was earlier than my other exams. So uh, yeah, it was quite awkward because this song started playing really loud and. I know that I was being filmed and that if sounds come up, like the system would make that a problem, you know, because you don't want someone to talk to the person while they're doing their exam. So afterwards I had to write an email explaining the situation. And also like, because you weren't allowed to leave the screen with your eyes. Mm -hmm. So I had, I couldn't go and turn it off. So <laughs> I had to finish my exam with this really loud song in the background <laughs> on repeat. <laughs> yeah. Very great for focus. Yeah. So basically, who would have thought people like to be treated as adults who are trusted to do? Uh huh. Yeah. So like, I think that's that's really the big picture thing here. It's um. And again, you have the you have the there is a real opportunity here for more autonomy and to like loosen these ties a little bit more again, or you can go the full dystopian way and. I mean, what's what's your analysis of reality right now at the moment, at least in Belgium, which what we have, we live in Belgium, if you don't know. I think from my internship, for example, I feel like I was more productive working from home a lot of the time. Uh, I think it was very nice to only be in the office when I had to be in the office to because I, I had to take a lot of pictures of certain objects uh, like it was a jewelry company so i had to take pictures of those things and because they contained diamonds i couldn't take those home obviously but like what's so, the, what's the vibe you get from like do you think like society is shifting to a more autonomous worker or the other i vibe? think i think in europe yeah i think we are try like i don't i haven't heard any company in europe using those kinds of extreme softwares to track your mouse movement every couple of seconds like yeah no, no. i i don't i don't think that's the there also has been in. way at least from like from my limited understand of like american media there has been way more calls in the us for coming back to the office than in europe at least in belgium like i haven't heard a lot of people calling out for it no and in in Belgium, also the government, for example, here was pretty stern in, in saying uh, workers couldn't go to the company. Like in when, the, when COVID happened. When COVID yeah. uh, was, was at a peak here. Um, while in the US, there was also... Companies were seemingly a lot more comfortable with demanding workers to show up and and pushing that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I, I, and even with Belgium being very stern, um, there was a lot of... Even Morgan's... Uh, jewelry internship was they would be like oh you know but like we we have a deal with the government or like you know we don't care there was clearly even though the government was very stern and like there was huge fines a lot of people were not happy about it i mean yeah like the there was this feeling of we want people to be at the office and uh i like I was allowed to work from home at the time because I was an intern and because they couldn't find any good reason to have me be there five days a week. 
an official reason. Yeah, but most people... Most employees then had to come. Yeah, yeah. because of documents and stuff that weren't allowed to leave. The and that I mean, that's the, the height way, of... Like, my, my dad also never got to work from home. He works for Mercedes in the design department, and because of security reasons, he was never allowed to leave Absolutely bullshit. the office. But I will say, um, there is, like, from a cybersecurity point of view... Um, yeah, for a lot of companies, they still haven't managed to set up a good infrastructure for working from home. Because, like, when you think about it, when you're going to the office, you're connected to the company's internal network. That is a big deal. That, especially in some companies that have very sensitive information, like Mercedes and car design, um, financial mm -hmm. institutions. But that's not an excuse. That's something on the company itself to set up. You should have an infrastructure that allows... Um, working from home with a maybe with a VPN, virtual private networks. Yeah. Um, there is a lot. Yeah, like, do you think it's fair to? Sorry, do you think it's fair to? Um, I don't know what demand that from workers of from employers that they should set their infrastructure to be accommodating for the possibility of working from home because we don't have any legal framework for that, do we? Um, I don't think outside of a pandemic, no. Um, but I mean, it would definitely be interesting. It would definitely be also maybe a more interesting route to to discover than what a lot of labor organizations at the moment are doing, which is basically calling this entire thing blasphemy because it removes the collective workspace. Oh my god! Which actually. is actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if you, if you, that you is know, a bit disconnected. I gotta things. say, this is a bit disconnected from the reality. No, it absolutely is, and in that sense, you know, throw the shit, people. But um, like, they are very much stuck in their classical way of thinking, where of course the collective workspace is the place where you have to organize to organize collectively as workers, and losing that, they don't necessarily see any alternative, which is their problem. I gotta say, I, I do and, see the point. It's a valid point. It's not invalid. It's a valid concern, yes. but it's not a reason to go around screaming hellfire is happening. Like, yeah. find a solution. I, th I think it's fair to say that the um, there isn't some conspiracy done by employers to dismantle the workplace oh, because it's, it's an organization for... Uh, um, though they would argue, like, of course, uh, the, the employers are using this. Yeah, and yes, they are, obviously. I, if I was a, the head of a multinational company, I would also try to get the annoying unions out of my, <laughs> as a torn out of my side. Tom um, talking about his evil side. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, there there is a real, like you mentioned, there is a real possibility here to may, maybe demand more autonomy as workers and to detach yourself a little bit more from the... Yeah, it can also gaze of the of the boss. Like if you have a job where you never have to be in the office, it can also open up possibilities. Let's say you never have to be in the office, maybe twice a year or something, you have like some big presentation where you have to be there. You could go and live in Italy. You could go and live anywhere you want at maybe a much lower cost of living. True. You could you know, kind of use the financial power you have from working for a Belgian company and live somewhere else. And vice versa. A you union, all, no, all these non-profits, all these organizations that want or that claim to want to decrease inequality in the world, you kind of can hire people from the other side of the world and yes. improve their life tremendously. It won't be a systemic solution, but, you know, you can do some actual good and you can actually create real like international ties here. Like you can have people with completely different perspectives in your team now, like people yeah. from different cultures, from different backgrounds. I will say though, um, one group that is also going to be heavily, you know, have the negatives of this is older people. Like if yes. you look at the people that are already being discriminated in the workforce, the most discriminated against people in sort of hiring positions are old people and people that are handicapped, directly followed by trans people, which is lovely. But um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, those people are already in a problematic situation where they have kind of been written off by society to some extent. And 
they have to work extremely long, longer than they ever expected to have to work when they were growing up because the pension age has been moved. But may I ask why is it harder for older people to work from home? Because they have never really learned how to use Teams and... It's like, a digital inclusion problem. Um, and, which, you know, yeah. Google... I don't know, like, this seems to me larger than a work from home issue. Yes, as I think that's basically what Morgan is saying. Like, it just, again, it's an accelerator of an existing problem. Yeah. Like, you yeah. have uh, older people currently kind of being pushed out a little bit of the workforce or at least pushed, put under more stress because you have the introduction of computers and uh, communications technology that also is mo mo ever more rapidly evolving and developing and updating itself. And for a generation that doesn't intuitively use those tools, it might be very difficult. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah. For some reason, I feel a bit... Yeah, I gotta say, maybe this is a bit problematic, but I feel a bit unsympathetic. If you can't install Microsoft Teams on your laptop, how are you even in white-collar jobs? But again, some of those people started their white-collar job when there was not a thing as a, as a PC yet. Like, they, they still used... Uh, like they didn't use a digital Conference printer. Conference calls on the phone. Yeah, they made stencils with a with a machine yeah, I'm in gonna, my I'm gonna in fax my you, workplace. I'm gonna fax you something. Yes, definitely. A oh, fax was a new thing, maybe at some point, even like there. And it doesn't mean that these people are not capable of learning these things, but it requires effort. And for example, now I'm applying for jobs. Most of my job interviews are also remote. So, let's say you have trouble like logging into Teams, and you your former employer didn't want to put in the effort to teach you that so they fired you in the pandemic and now you're looking for a job and that problem it hasn't really resolved yet you maybe don't have the best support network around you that could teach you these things you can really be left behind yeah left behind and there is so many old people in poverty right now and like i said because the pension age has been pushed and because inflation and pensions have not been matched uh, especially right now because mm -hmm. of the cost of living crisis, some people are in real trouble. You but know? what do you think is the um, solution to that? Because like, what, like, just to be clear, I'm not advocating for a fully remote workplace. I think companies and even smaller companies make enough money to offer a hybrid of the two. They should offer, if you want to go to the office, you can go to the office. You should be able to do your job from the office 100% but they should also offer you the autonomy of working from home if you want to. Yeah. They make enough money to afford both. But I think, yeah, one, it would be ideal if people's, you know, livelihood, their ability to buy food and have a home, did not depend, did on, not the depend on that, yes. first and foremost. Full disclaimer that has to be yeah. mentioned. Yeah. But second of all, I mean, there might be something to be said about slowing down and maybe, you know, that... Letting a, a generation just also if they have a job they enjoy doing, if they have a, some 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 activities that actually you know keep them happy, to just let them be present and if they do their job well in a non-digital way, just l let that ball slowly roll. I I agree with you. you. I, I mean to be honest, also like just to be clear, like because age of retirement is extremely high right now. We have enough resources to lower it. I don't understand why it's risen so much. And um, also, yeah. like, I don't know if you're if you're seventy, it's maybe it's you just want to rest. Maybe you deserve a universal basic income, even when you're fifty, forty, thirty. Maybe, like I said, it's yeah. And for example, in in, in the northern part of Belgium, the the Flemish government, the local government, is very much pushing this digital inclusion thing. Um, partially with uh, what is elderly people. <laughs> so that old people have to be able to, you know, log into their digital ID system, etc., etc. And when they come in, for example, I, I remember one person uh, doing a study or their bachelor thesis about or research, and they came to talk to one uh, an older audience in our social cultural center. These people don't have any desire to be included in that. They kind mm -hmm. of just want to live the rest of their life happily, and then, you know, they're totally fine with 
changes being implemented, etc. They just want, for as long as they're here on this planet, to also have the option of maybe talking to a person or doing something on paper. And when they're gone, everything can transition. But they, they, you know, you're trying to pull somebody on board that maybe doesn't want to be on board. And you also, I feel like, have to maybe respect people if you really want to be inclusive. That means sometimes respecting somebody and just letting it, just waiting this out. I mean, even people our parents' age, uh, they grew up in a time when computers were just kind of starting to come around. And my parents were both in situations where they, like my parents were people who basically worked a lot with computers in the beginning of it. My dad went straight into 3D design, straight out of college. He worked with like some of the like first more commercial computers. He tried to keep updated with that as much as possible. He had to because he has been managing teams that did 3D modeling until now. And with some things, he's fully there. Like with some 3D modeling things, he's still like very much there. He's maybe not like the most flashy designer anymore but he knows what it is and what it can do and he can do most things but when it comes to simple things like um what can you do with sort of google tools Mm -hmm. for collaboration like he still would prefer to have a um physical calendar like his little agenda he prefers it to be written down instead of looking into the benefits that like a sort of connected agenda could offer maybe. Yeah. And like, that's fine. You know, like that's, it's not going to cause big issues for him, but I I can see how in a company that maybe works a lot with Google calendars and stuff that could be common issue. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's those little things that can also like, yeah, I understand that. But at the same time, I got to come from the developer's advocate side here and say like, you know, sometimes society is just changing. And um, yes, I, I, I agree with you that it should not be rushed. Like this whole thing of we need to do it right now. And like you, we are going to make give you courses and you're going to be included whether you like it or not. Exactly. Like. That I don't like. But at the same time, you can't just leave old systems in place until the people using these systems are dead. That's, that's just not a realistic way to approach life or society. No, that's true. But I feel like that also, to a certain degree, stems from a, a, a sense of... Comp- that's, that's also a need that comes from competition on one hand. and But also, yeah, I feel like if you want to be inclusive and not give the younger generation maybe a, a nervous breakdown from... Uh, certain uh, digital messes that you can uh, have. Uh, you should also consider transitioning and and taking those steps. Um, but again, I think it's a it's a matter of like listen to what the people can do, see themselves doing, yeah. and uh, work with that. I guess it, it's fair to say that the voices of of a lot of these people, senior citizens, are not usually heard. Like they're not even part of the conversation. Yeah. Unless you're talking about like I don't know what's what's the average age of your politician? Aren't you? Don't you also have very old politicians? Yeah, that's the weird thing, right? Like, that's the very weird thing. <laughs> but they don't tend to be good with technology themselves or like other things. You, I don't know. They don't seem to be the smartest about it either. Like it's probably like you know a lot of a lot of older people. It's I don't know. I've I've had this experience before when as a as a twenty five years old you can like show up as a wizard. You yes. can, you can like, you can impress p- these older gentlemen usually who are like very, uh, like, if you know how to sell it, and I think that's what's happening. You have like some thirty years old who wants like a big project of digitization. They gather all of the older people. They show them like some really flashy PowerPoint. Yeah, because a lot of projects get approved and get praised that I think to us sometimes sound like complete and utter bullshit like yeah. or yeah. very basic very extremely basic. basic yeah like you're you're doing what i mean okay. yeah the other day i showed my mom how to use excel and make it you know she's a teacher and she has this quiz and you know she know how she knows how excel works but she had never used excel spreadsheets 
So I told her, okay, you can give all the teachers that have to grade these students the same Excel table and let them fill it in simultaneously. And it will calculate all of these four teachers' Excel tables like automatically Isn't for Excel you. Excel basically Excel spreadsheets? Like that's basically the main functionality yes, yes, of but, Excel. But the thing with Excel spreadsheets is that several people can work on it in a more easy way. Oh, you way mean the collaborative the, one? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. And fair. you can also do that with the normal Excel, but it's a bit more complicated for her. And like, so it, it was just even like adding up the column without like it, it was already like a wizard moment you're a wizard Martin. and like these things like people they they still write it on paper so she has to go ahead and put in uh, all the sheets of like four teachers grading 80 students she has to manually calculate all of that put it all in and it's so much work that is so much work exactly yeah. and then she has to calculate the averages of that etc et but like that's why we want to include people in digitization we want to make their life easier to be fair like that's also something yes, but i think they're the for example like i'm not, not calling your mom an older person but sometimes you have like this really inefficient way of working that should change but but i think there it's the it's the combination of of uh, working together between generations that that, that brings I the think, magic i and think being a school teacher like your mom is just the perfect shitstorm of all of the bad things <laughs> like to be honest that's like we always mention her but she's like a very unique perspective which is very interesting but it's not really the the, the most people no but <laughs> i mean i i do think that there is something to be said for a lot of People don't realize the benefits it can bring you, but also companies are not willing to invest in sort of younger mentors to help them with that. Because I do think sometimes it's easier to just hire a young person to help older people optimize their job. But I'm hiring someone new. Why don't I just fire the old worker and hire a new worker? Yeah, but that's... This way I'll make more money. Yeah, but that way you get rid of all the experience that that old person has and you put an old person in the job market who will have maybe a really hard time finding a new job because they have worked for your company for 30 fucking years. Morgan, it almost sounds as if you're saying that capitalism isn't the most efficient system. <gasps> <laughs> I mean, to be, to, yeah, that, that is actually extremely short-sighted and you hear a lot of stories of um, an older experienced person being fired and then, oh shit, we needed this and this and this exactly. from them. And then they ask the young person at 25 and for 30 they, years yeah, of experience. Yeah. They, yeah. And then they hire a specialist who's an extern, external third party and they pay them like three times. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. But let's take a, let's take a, a switch of gears here and... Um, we talked about the individual effects of like uh, and the difference between working from home and working from the office. We've talked about it also from a, an employer point of view mm -hmm. and an employee point of view and the dynamic of that. Um, one of the interesting things that I think is worth talking about is um, the environmental effects. Um, COVID, like with a lot of people working from home, we've had way less cars in the streets, not anymore. Um, we've had basically, I, I've read somewhere, I stumbled on like 3% decrease in like household emissions for a year and then it increased right back when people started going back to the office. Um, and just the idea of, of the the auto city, right? Like the city designed for motor vehicles. And commutes, for, yeah. And commutes, private, private uh, commute. Yes. So your private car. And I think that's an extremely interesting thing to talk about. It's... Um, like yeah. if we're all working from home, maybe we could finally fundamentally change the way we design our cities. Yeah, and you can it it does drastically reshape it because maybe a little less in Europe because we have so much leftover design from the Middle Ages and the time of at least in the Low Countries. Like a lot of our cities really took their shape or their their like. Dominating. You don't have it as bad in as other period. places. Some but places are literally the designed for the a, car, and its suburban sprawl yeah. is really an example of of a city designed for here you live, there you work, and you will move between point A and point B every day, twice, yeah, along a highway, and we'll optimize. You will optimize the whole environment, the whole infrastructure around you moving with your car. Yes. Well, you know, a city where you have more like hybrid work or working from home, etc., you might have more uh, 
walkability would be nice because you might want a nice like coffee shop or co-working space in in your neighborhood. I mean, where honestly, also just to be clear, like parks even cities in Europe have been shifting towards a more like the Ring yeah, of Antwerp. More the, of that. Uh, the, yeah, and I like, think maybe obviously it's not the only point of fighting against that the working from home thing, but it's one of the points, and it, it could, could be a nice segue into us because I I I. I I cannot stress enough how much I hate a city being designed around the car. <laughs> it 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 triggers me. Yeah, and it's, I it's know this nice. is a bad keyword, but it does trigger me. It's like, why are we designing our cities around the car? And I drive a car every day. I'm not gonna like be a hypocrite here and lie to you about it, but I would rather not. Mm-hmm. I would rather have a better public transport system. Yeah, it would be better on people's mental health and physical health also, like in terms of um, like dust and uh, other pollutants that hang around in the air. Especially Antwerp, we are one of the worst cities in yeah, the, in Europe. And the breathability yeah. of air. Yes. The, um, the, you have something. Come and live here and get every lung disease you can. Yeah, yeah. The inc- decrease of noise, the decrease oh, yeah, of no, traffic. This was not the depressing episodes. Um, just, just the, the decrease of traffic alone is like. A lot of people like traffic. Get and stuck the stress in traffic. also. Yeah, yes. it's very stressful. It's very waste time wasting. But I do wonder because if you 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 decrease that aspect, but you increase the digital digital aspect, and we do know that the internet and its many servers also have a costs that like it brings a cost with them. Like for example, the Netherlands are known for their giant servers spaces, which do. I mean, they don't take up that much necessarily in, in terms of space, but the the cooling of it, the energy it requires, that's pretty intense. So. I wouldn't share your concern, though. Like, let's say you take it to the extreme and you switch fully to a more uh, working from home environment. The infrastructure for an internet that can handle that is already there. Okay. Like, I, yeah, I mean, you, mi- you might need to increase it a bit, but if you put it next to a decrease in the usage of cars, like a genuine decrease, a genuine decrease in our culture around the private motor vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you ditch the commutes and the private, especially the private one. It's not. I mean, like, yeah, also yeah. if you consider that people are currently working towards a network that can handle self-driving cars. Yeah. That's something that network providers are working mm-hmm. on currently. And that is an insane amount of data because those cars have so many sensors and they have to transfer them very fast so other cars and stuff can eventually pick up on it and it becomes a whole network that is automated. You know, like, uh, and that we don't have yet. Like, our network currently could not handle a full fleet of, like, I'm, I'm going to well, say yeah, Teslas, but, you know, like, cars that can do what Teslas. And also, do you want that? Because I would, again, like, if you can make a network that has to deal with less cars and less data input, then obviously you would want that, right? Like yeah, I'm, would... I'm personally a big advocate for having cars only, or like mostly in a sort of uh, renting sense where you can... Sharing kind of, system. Yeah, where you can use them as a taxi, but it's much cheaper. And or, you, you know, certain professionals, like I can get if certain, like... Construction workers, etc., need. Uh, yeah, but that's not a really a car, right? That's like no, no, that's like a little uh, a van, yeah, van or, thing. Yeah, th- yeah I'm yeah. not talking about that. I'm talking about, but also for those people, I think it would be less stressful to have to drive it before they go to work and yes. then yeah. have to work all day and then drive back. Like I just know that I would rather not have our transportation system be in the hands of a private company providing us with self-driving cars <laughs> and a managed network by them. But I d- but if it's a public company, like the trains, for example. I mean, it's not like the trains company in in Belgium doesn't have its problems. Yeah, because of because there is a yeah, it's being pushed towards privatization, but it there pushes back, and like then it was split in three and merged into two. And like well, you have a trend of of moving all of these things into privatization. Your internet companies in Belgium are private. Your yes. uh, intercommunications are private companies. It's. I don't but know. Those, yeah, those are, in my opinion, I'm, just I'm, stupid I, moves in general. Yeah, I, they are. I just don't think that everyone is going to be able to afford a self-driving car. And if we shift heavily towards that and heavily towards electric cars also... But we it, shouldn't do that. 
I mean, we're shifting uh, heavily towards electric cars. No, already. I'm just saying, like, you know, if we're discussing, like, the future, I think what you would, should rather invest in, at least, like, my, what I would be advocating for is maybe a public, just public transport. Like, make public transport better, whether it's self-driving or not, to, I don't care. I do want to pick up on that, because one of the, uh, in, in, in the preparation I did, one of the uh, comments that was being made is, like, as you split a workforce uh, between those people that don't have a choice but to commute still because their they their machines, the tools they need or their ateliers, etc., are in a certain space and people that can work from home. What's to say that those people working from home still going to give a shit about public transportation and those kinds of things? Isn't there because they don't need it necessarily? I will say most people who have the possibility to work from home also have the possibility to get a company car and often don't care already. Or uh, like that's a fair care. point. <laughs> but like at the same time, like also people need to move around other than moving to their work and home. Yeah, but if they don't need to do it day to day, do they? I think it's a valid question. I don't think it's it's a it's a thing that can be overcome. It's very interesting. It already exists a sort of em- and we apathy. Don't I agree. Want any, but any um, any more um, in 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 struggles between white collar workers and blue collar workers, you don't need any more inequality there. It's already it's a huge issue, I think, and mm-hmm. it's yeah. um, you don't want to to accelerate that into something um, because obviously that's that's not that's not a real thing. Yeah, I mean, in the end, it's between the the how would you say it? It's between the higher classes and the middle classes. Uh, do you mean the bourgeoisie? Yeah, I don't, I didn't want to sound so <laughs> socialist. But <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> no, maybe um, considering the time here as well. Um, the one last point, I, or big point at least, I remember from the preparation we did was um, as people have more freedom to also not have to go to a collective workspace, it might be, or we know statistically that at least in the US, um, there's a huge difference between people of color and uh, white people in terms of who wants to go to the office. Because certain people don't want to deal with casual racism all the time. <laughs> um, but if then they stay away, we really risk the... Or, or the we have the, the, the risk of yeah, yeah. having... Getting also, for, also for trans people. Also for people who are having ha- a handicap. Yeah. Yeah. Workplaces like, is it such a big problem that the office itself is... Like, you know, if, if 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 the office is tolerant of uh, casual racism and casual homophobia and casual transphobia, was it an inclusive workspace in the first place? No, but maybe they're mostly talking about like since those people aren't present anymore, you it 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 creates a downward spiral where mm. it gets a bit worse. More people don't come that feel mistreated. It becomes. More, uh, it it radicalizes itself. It's it's going. It gets worse and I worse, understand, and yeah. it's a self-strengthening effect. Yeah, like the manager who only sees white men or women on the work floor might think that only white men or women would fit the team, so that he will hire more of those people or she. And you, you know, I mean, yeah, but there is also a very uh, there is also an actually documented like. Um, bias in in people and in managers for uh, people who the, show the up the presenteeism bias yeah. like yeah. it's the reason why those people often stayed at their cubicle and start and stayed in the office in the first place even if they didn't have anything productive to do because they know their boss is seeing them it, sitting in their chair in the chair. physically being present and apparently it creates uh, with managers and bosses it creates this idea that those people that you see the most are the most productive are the most And I know that sounds really bad, but actually it's quite human to operate that way. Also with friends, the friends that you see the most are the friends that you think are the smartest, the prettiest, the, like, that's a thing that has been proven in psychology. Yeah, but like friends and, you know, your, your middle manager. No, I'm just saying like, 
the the people that the manager sees the most the manager is still a person right so if if he sees them the most he will have a bias towards them because he feels like he knows them better i'm just saying, like it's I monkey behavior you, yes it's monkey behavior yeah. and i think like <laughs> that's we've evolved to ignore a lot of our monkey behaviors we've learned to ignore and yes. like fight a lot of our monkey behaviors and maybe we could also evolve to find this one preferably I, yes yeah but. like what i mean is like I can understand maybe if if you're not aware of this effect, for example, you're like, okay, you see the down spiral happening, but maybe if we taught people that, mm -hmm. you know, like there could be even something from the government, okay, now you're switching to a remote workplace, be aware of these common pitfalls. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. because someone is not present at the workspace does not mean they are... Yeah, and two, like we do blind job interviews or we would prefer blind job interviews, etc. so you don't like no name present, so your other biases that you might not be aware of uh, are are ignored. You could just evaluate people on like the actual results they produce yeah. uh, and and make it more scientific a little bit. But then but again, I think it's a real judging concern. people fully on ter yeah, in terms of the, their performance and numbers and education is also problematic um, yeah. if you're hiring yeah. people. So I. But I think maybe that's a, a very valid concern for, for example, a union or something to work on because that's going to happen. I think if if you if you let it go, then I think we will see those spirals. I mean, I think if if we're like um, following with the trends, it's it's safe to say that work from home is here to stay. Yes, um, in a certain sense, and yeah, I think it's a very fair thing because. Um, Here's the thing, you're not going to switch to a more um, leftist uh, model of economy. The economy is, if it's going to change, it's going to change very slowly. And right now we are in that space of this, the, old, the same old economy now with working from home. So you have to prepare to, uh, for that and try to avoid these pitfalls already. Yes. So I think that's a very valid concern. Anything that also like, honestly, like with the, with the, the workspace being the organizational um, space for unions and uh, unionizing and talking about problems at work, we, it, we need to talk about that and we need to, to find a solution for that, which is meet anywhere. Yes, and there, and is, there is definitely a, one union somewhere that just functioned without that. They managed it. Yeah. May, I, may I share? From Do, have you ever heard of um, Fishbowl? No. Fishbowl is an online platform where employers, uh, employees can log in anonymously and put their salaries for the company they work at. Oh. They can review their workplace anonymously with stars. That's incredible. That's a useful. little form of unionizing, I would say. Yeah, that is actually corporate. So yes. Just because, you know, unions are this traditional old thing that started at, in the factory floor. you got to develop. <laughs> does not mean it should stay there. Yes. Or not solely there. Like I think also one thing that has, you know, if we're going to round up this episode, I think um, the thing that keeps coming back is treat people like adults, have trust in people, have trust in each other. And that way we can move forward and we can bring as many people with us as possible. As long as you don't treat your employees as some assets that you need to squeeze most of and you need to yeah. spy on, you'll you'll be golden. Just treat people as humans and you'll be fine. Yeah, and that way unions will also have the space to evolve. Definitely. And like, you know, like the ideal world is a world where you do not even need a union. But obviously that's a utopian vision. But what I'm saying is that if we move toward a to if we move a step closer to that kind of world that's that's still a net positive yes many opportunities many risks you got to make of it Ominous. what you want <laughs> i mean but also positive <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I would argue you can sh you can there is an actual it's a it's a moment of change and of transition then the transitioning like you said is it's happening and it's not going to go away I will. I would drop any illusions of trying to stop it or not having it. 
having it happen. You have a real chance of improving life for a lot of people. I mean, I genuinely, if I'm if I'm interviewing for a job right now, if it does not offer the ability of working from home, I am not. Yeah, but like I'm not doing that. That's your opinion, and I think that's valid, and you can have that opinion. But I also think that if you're treating people as adults, you have to give them the option, and you have to give them the option to evaluate what seems best for them and how they are most productive. Yeah, definitely. And like that, uh, all I'm saying is like I'm putting what I'm like. I know a lot of people who are like me in the same age group in the same kind of workforce who also share that agree like that 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 and that just proves Tom's saying it's here to stay it's not going anywhere I mean of course it's here to stay like honestly a lot of people are still under the illusion yeah, that it's I mean I mean at least in in Belgium it's going to stay because yeah, yeah, you know unions are just also too strong and there there's too many young people joining like the, the unions are are the unions are fighting for the you're worried about it, and but if no, you, but for example, read them in the service like industry, you're not like you're talking about the the blue collar workers, right? Also, to a large extent, but same unions, the same, yeah. Oh. They, they they tend they unite. Like I would boats. I would assume that the unions in the service industry would fight more I mean, for like work from home. BVV, like my union, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the union I I am registered with does not make the distinction between a. Blue collar worker and a white collar worker. No, but don't they have union representatives depending on the job? Uh, yes, depending sector. on the company, the se- the company and then the sector yeah. as well. Yeah. So yeah. I would assume that a union representative, like who represents the IT sector, would be pro work from home. Yeah, I guess mm, you might be surprised, but I mean, if you want to see that kind, of, I would really recommend to 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 check out some of their. Uh, their own texts. Also, if you read the American, like Jacobin, um, they are, you could be surprised by their perspective. It's not always as progressive as you would imagine. I mean, I mean that's I, all I'm saying. I mean, talking about perspectives, also for all of you listeners, uh, also feel free to share your perspective. It would be super interesting to hear how you feel about this development and what you would like to see in the future. How has your experience been working from home? Have you noticed a shift? Do you like working from home? Do you like working from the office? Please? Have you gotten to work from home? Or exactly. Not like, at all. I'm pretty sure like all waiters and stuff never got to work from home. Supermarkets. Supermarkets. Um, yeah, a lot of, also a lot of uh, like, you know, smaller businesses or self-standing people like freelancers. Um, I mean, freelancers mm. often work from home already, uh, but. I don't know, like, you know, remember my friend, Augustin, who, uh, I just know this freelancer who worked in IT and like, whenever he would sign a freelancing contact contract, a lot of the offices would be required of him. Like, you're required to show up at the office because we don't trust you. You're a freelancer. <laughs> well, don't yeah, trust there's, always, there's always weird situations. But anyways, we would like to hear from you and please like and subscribe and tell us what you would like to see and hear more about. Mostly here because it's a podcast. Maybe we could talk about the four days work week one day. Because if we're moving from the, you know, that's, that's a shift in work culture too. I think that's that's the next step.